Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. And now for something completely different. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Get Cocky Podcast. Thanks so much for choosing us, making us a part of your weekend. Really excited to do some football-specific stuff because tomorrow South Carolina football actually starts, and I can't wait. It's going to be great. want to remind you guys real quick to rate, review, subscribe. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends. It's the best way to support the podcast and help us keep doing it. we got the second part of Andrew Mason Dixon's over-under win totals picks for the SEC. We're going to go through all the SEC West teams, and then something real quick um, that we're going to expand on throughout the course of the season um, but we're going to do a, a segment called in the huddle where we're going to talk to former players about specific matchups something that we think carolina will do something that we think their opponent in this case north carolina will do we're going to do this throughout the entirety of football season and basketball season see who we can roll in and out of here to give us their expert opinions about whatever upcoming matchup south carolina has but before we get into that just wanted to get into a few north carolina specific thoughts ahead of tomorrow's game and i have to say I, i'm a little more excited than i thought i'd be because after a lot of off-season hand-wringing about the schedule and the season, there actually finally seems to be a lot of excitement in the air around Columbia, which is great. There should be. And other than a lot of people making the decision not to head up to Charlotte tomorrow, which is probably a conversation for another day, all the conversation and prognostication around the game is positive. The line, which opened up this week at 8.5, has jumped all the way up to 11.5. You know, some places have it at 11, some places have it all the way up at 12. But I don't remember a Carolina line moving that much. Um, and again, the entire offseason narrative around the SEC and around the country has been that this South Carolina team should be better, but not necessarily in terms of their record. And I mean, the collective opinion that Carolina is going to handle a UNC team that's only won three FBS games in the last two years doesn't exactly represent, represent a paradigm shift. But handling, you know, taking care of teams that you are supposed to beat, that you're better than, is the first thing that a really, really good team has to do. So I, I think in terms of the confidence, that is that would be an important first step for Carolina and an important step in terms of getting a little bit of recognition. No one's going to say Carolina's the next national champion because they beat North Carolina, but you go take care of business and maybe you start to turn some heads. You, they'll do it again next week, and then it'll be about making that Alabama game competitive. But, you know, before getting way too far ahead of myself, all this would end up being a moot point anyways if, if Carolina lays an egg tomorrow. I don't think that's going to be the case. On the uh, good combination of talent and experience that Carolina has, I, I really think that they'll win and win comfortably, but I guess what I will end up looking for tomorrow is just to see how prepared they are. I, I think that's one of the knocks, really the only legitimate knock on Will Muschamp since he got here. You know, everything that he's done in terms of recruiting, uh, you know, the upgrades and facilities and, and, and everything like that has been unquestionable. It's just about what is Carolina's prep, especially in big games, um, but just, you know, kind of preparation in general is the only thing that maybe you can question. So that's what I'm looking for. You know, mistakes are going to happen. It's the first game of the season. There are going to be several freshmen or guys that are otherwise making their first starts. So there are going to be mistakes. What's critical, though, is what the mistakes are and how the players respond. You know, for all the excitement about Jamie Robinson and Zach Pickens and sort of the necessity of Eric Douglas and Javon Gwynn, who's going to be at right guard and then, you know, the other guys basically going to end up being the backup for everybody. Uh, those guys are going to have to go out there and prove it. If Pickens get pancaked or Robinson busts a coverage or one of the offensive linemen gives up a sack, how are they going to respond? 
in a lot of ways, the first game of the season should be taken with a grain of salt. And the debate after week one is always how much you know can we even learn from that game. And I think that's fair in terms of reserving your either excitement or extreme concern after a game that even Will Muschamp said last night, you know, teams are never fully prepared for that first game. But I think what we can learn is is how real the depth and how real the young talent that have fans so excited, you know, that they've been talking about all of August are. And again, what happens when these young players make mistakes? What, you know, or even when Jake Bentley throws his first pick of the season or misses an open receiver, is it the same emotional response or as you know, as we've heard, is he going to have developed a little bit more poise that will be necessary to anchor an offense that's going to be looking for an edge? Last year, the edge was Debo Samuel. They don't have Debo. Jake Bentley probably needs to be that X factor. You know, Brian Edwards and Shy can have great season, but aren't the same in terms of, like I said, giving your offense an edge over other teams that are maybe better than you. So I think that needs to be Jake Bentley. You know, part of this is I just love playing armchair psychologists in general, and it's especially fun during week one because I think that's. I think that's what we'll learn the most about tomorrow. I think we'll learn more about the psychology of this team than anything. And Carolina has the right mix of talent and experience to be competitive in almost every game and win seven or eight, maybe even nine games. But it's all contingent on some unproven guys filling big shoes and veterans stepping up. And again, that's that's the big psychological part of it. It's easy to assume that's going to happen right now as I sit here recording this on Friday, August 30th. And the coaches do seem unusually optimistic that it will happen. But tomorrow, we'll get our first look at the team and I think the only way to characterize what this team is right now is that no one really knows what it is. No one quite knows what to do with this team. So be on the lookout for that. You know, how do how do those guys rebound from mistakes? What is the psychological composition of, of this team? Are the veterans ready to actually take that next step that fans just kind of always assume their veterans will? Are the freshmen actually as good once they get under the lights and in front of a whole bunch of fans? Those are the things that we'll be able to assess tomorrow more than you know, the X's and O's of, oh, you know, does this work? Does this work? That's the kind of stuff that's going to evolve throughout the course of the season. But uh, that's that's probably the, the number one thing that I'll be watching for tomorrow. I'll talk to you all again on Monday. Enjoy the game. And here comes the second part of my conversation with Andrew Mason Dixon, our picks of the SEC West over under win totals for the season. So here it comes. All right, Andrew Mason Dixon is back for part two of our preseason over under win totals for the SEC. For those of you that missed it, we did the Eastern Division on Monday. Today, we're going to go through the Western Division. And because the season hasn't started yet, we're going to do this as it's listed. Everybody is undefeated right now. It's all listed alphabetically. So we're going to start with the A's and go through to the T's because that's how the alphabet works. First things first, Drew, we got Alabama. They're pretty good. They're over under win total preseason projected wins is 11 with the over being minus 170 wow i think that was yeah you know, i'm looking at this list now the only the only thing that uh, is worse value is betting the under on Georgia, which is minus 180. So people feel pretty good about Alabama and the over that's minus 170. If you want to bet the under, you can get plus 120. What you think about the Tide? So here's my thing with Alabama, all right? They clearly have a stacked roster. Love their squad buildup. Every year, year in, year out, they have great recruiting classes. Their defense is going to be consistently one of the tops in the nation. Pearson, you look at college football for your job. Pearson, if I asked you, 
the injury-prone Tua Tungavailoa, if he went down right now, who's Bama's starting quarterback? Um, uh, can you give me his initials? Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Mac Jones. Okay, I was going to get there. That is not, look. <laughs> I think he played in the game last year. Alabama is all reliant on Tua. Tua is not a durable quarterback that he showed problems of last year. If Tua were to go down, I think Bama would go down. I I know the look, 11 wins is tempting. I think this Bama squad will get at least 10 regular season. I don't know if they'll make it in the SEC West Championship game. Spoiler. Whoa. Whoa. What? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> but I I, I do think this, but I think 11 is so perfect, but I think the under is a lot juicier than uh, people, than the public, the petting, yeah, the betting public uh, seems to think. Yeah, so that is juicy, and minus 170 is terrible, you know? Not, not a lot of value on the over. No, so if you're going to bet Alabama, bet the under, otherwise this is like a stay away. I think that goes without saying. And we probably, I think we prefaced the Eastern Division uh, picks with this, so we should uh, also preface the uh, Western Division picks with this. I hope you don't pick all 14 of these. I hope you don't even pick all seven. If you want to do this, just find a couple that you feel like uh, makes sense to you, have some value, and and, and roll with it. Don't feel uh, don't feel like you need to, to take everything. And again, if, if you don't like the, the under for Alabama and feel – reasonably good about it like drew that's a great point about tunga vailoa's health mac jones like i said i saw him play a game i saw him throw a pass maybe even execute a few handoffs but i have no feel for what alabama would look like with him under center um and again you look at their schedule they open up with duke they got new mexico state uh they have southern miss and then they have who the heck is wcu i'm looking that up right now i had to western carolina oh right yeah the western carolina catamounts catamounts baby there we go okay yeah so they got western carolina and then uh, obviously, they're playing a tough SEC schedule. They have Carolina out of the East. That's in Columbia. They have Tennessee at home out of the East. But they do have to play at Texas A&M. The Iron Bowl is always tricky. Auburn basically beats, since Nick Saban has arrived at Alabama, Auburn basically beats them every three years. I know they beat them a couple years ago, so maybe not quite due for it. Maybe that'll be next year. Um, they got LSU. They do have to go at Mississippi State. I think I already mentioned at Texas A&M. So it's not a total walk in the park. The reason that this would scare me, the reason I would stay away from this, is this does include any other games that Alabama plays. They're obviously guaranteed 12 regular season games. I think it's safe to assume they will at least get a 13th. And if you want to bet the under, you need Alabama to go 10-3. and three. That means you need them to lose two, pre- or two preseason. They need, you need them to lose two regular season games and then their bowl game to actually have a chance to hit the under. So... I would I would still take the over at minus 170, but more than anything else, I think I would just stay away from this one. Next up, in alphabetical order, we have Arkansas. Arkansas's become the Vanderbilt of the West now. I, they, I mean, they were. I just I don't I don't I don't care. I don't have any opinion about Arkansas. They're over under. They're over under for wins is five. Uh, over and under both minus 120. It's what happens when you don't win any conference games uh, in a season last year. Yeah, I mean they were they were basically an FCS team last year. Uh, you you think Chad Morris another year, some more of his guys actually in the program, starting to move this thing in the direction because you know it's so funny going from Brett Bielema to Chad Morris. You're going from a guy that is like the I don't know probably the greatest proponent of ground and pound given what Bielema did at Wisconsin. He's like okay. We're lining up in 22. It's I formation. We're running downhill three yards in a cloud of dust. And then you bring in Chad Morris, who 
was the guy that first started to revolutionize that Clemson offense and just run, you know, 468 bubble screens a game with Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins. So it's gonna, it was always going to take some time to transition to the kind of offense that Chad Morris wants to run. Um, and you do look at their schedule. Their out-of-conference is uh, favorable. They have Colorado State. They have San Jose State. They have, is this Presbyterian? Portland, Portland State. Portland State Vikings. Oh, my gosh. Where do they even find these teams? And this they get ridiculous. the Hilltoppers. And they get the Hilltoppers from Western Kentucky. Um, obviously, playing in the Western Division doesn't do them any favors. And then their Eastern opponents, they have Missouri, which, uh, you know, could be better, could be worse. And they are playing Kentucky, which, you know, that's pretty favorable for them. But they do have to play at Kentucky. They're also at Alabama. They're at LSU. Um, do they have another road game in there? And at Ole Miss early on in the season. So whew, five is so low, and you feel like they're going to win all those out-of-conference games, but I don't know who they're beating in the SEC, so I would go under at minus 120. Yeah, I think I'm going to hit the under as well, which is tough given that they have four very winnable should-be wins on their non-conference schedule. So you just seemingly got to hit just one conference game to at least push, maybe you can get that second. However, I, I don't have any faith in this Chad Morris-led squad. It's a very young roster at Arkansas coming back. It's This is definitely a multi-year build back for the Razorbacks and not an immediate turn of success. And, yeah, you get no favors playing in the West. I'm yeah. going under. And, and to get to that fifth win, to get to the push, you find one team for them to beat in the SEC, and again, they're playing Kentucky, and they're playing Missouri, and it's like, okay, well, Kentucky and then Ole Miss, also out of the West, are probably your two best bets for Kentucky, or for Arkansas to steal a win, and both of those are on the road. So I just, I, I don't feel good about even a push at five. The under minus 120 seems about right for me. Auburn, I saw early in the season they were installed at eight in terms of their over-under wins. That has crept down to seven and a half, but people are hammering the over now. That's minus 130. The under minus 110. Drew, how you feel about the Tigers? You know, it's all relevant to Gus Malzahn. Is this a good Gus Malzahn season? Is this going to be a bad Gus Malzahn season? A lot of potential to go either way, and they get to start off early with a marquee game at with Oregon coming to town. Uh, I, I really like Auburn's chances for eight wins, honestly. Uh, you know, they got to probably go maybe four and two against top 25 teams, which is tough. For an Auburn squad, I feel like on a year basis, but they were very successful in the turnover margin last year, tied for 16th in the, in the nation in turnover margin at plus nine. So, you know, uh, there are some uh, risks in, in in taking this over bet. However, I mean, you know, you gotta like the non-conference schedules they've got. Nice bye week placement kind of mid-season where they can kind of attack from a first year and second half perspective. I don't know. I like I like the over for Auburn. Yeah, Tulane, Kent State, and I think this is Sam Houston. Oh, no, the Samford Bulldogs. Samford, yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, I don't even know what these teams are. This is stupid. They don't need to be playing these kinds of games. But that's uh, a rant that I normally reserve for my radio show, so I will do that now. I like your point about is this a is this a good gush year is this a bad gush year the thing that's interesting to me though is I think consensus was last year was a bad gush year and Auburn was still able to go eight and five the seven the seven and a half seems really low to me I know they're breaking in a new quarterback I saw that this is the first time since 1946 that Auburn is going to be starting a true freshman quarterback in their season opener and Bo Nix but they have a couple of stud freshman running backs coming in and running back is a position where you can come in and just right away 
just go. Just go. The Auburn didn't rush the ball as well as they wanted to last year. They're returning a bunch of offensive linemen. I think that helps, you know, bringing back a good left guard and right guard, solidify the interior offensive line. You can run the ball a little bit better, take some pressure off of Bo Nix. Um, additionally, we're bringing back six starters on defense. Obviously, Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator again. I, I think this is an easy... I think this is an easy over seven and a half. Again, it's not the value pick. It's minus 130, but it's not so horrendous that I would say stay away from it. This feels like an easy, easy, seven, easy eight wins for Auburn. You mentioned Oregon. Uh, I think that's in Jerry World, actually, to start the season. But they got Tulane. They got Kent State. Um, and then, obviously, I already mentioned um, Sam uh, Samford. Yeah, right? Samford with Samford. an M. Yeah, okay. And then uh, in the East... Auburn is obviously uh, they're going to play uh, Georgia and then they're also playing Florida and that's on the road. And if y'all have listened to, if y'all listen to the Eastern part of this, or if you listen to my radio show on one Oh seven five, you know how I feel about Florida. So I feel like that's uh, a very winnable game for Auburn. So give me the over seven and a half minus half Next up, we got LSU. Drew, you kind of, I'm not saying you were talking about LSU, but you, you threw in a nice little, a juicy little tease there earlier. when We were talking about Alabama saying Alabama might not win the West. LSU's over-under win total is nine. The over, minus 160. Again, people hammering the over on the Tigers. Under, plus 115. Is this what you were teasing earlier? There's a lot to be excited about in LSU, I feel like. You know, from a team that finished 10-3 and last season and a, and a strong Fiesta Bowl performance, they get 16 starters back. And a new toy to play with in the former Saints passing coordinator, Joe Brady. Maybe finally get a passing offense in LSU, which is always seemingly the one thing that's prevented them from taking that next level. And I I, I honestly, I really think it's the year. Joe Burrow looked serviceable, the former Buckeye. Uh, You know, he's a Fiesta Bowl MVP. You know, the schedule is tough. You know, they got that that at Texas game uh, week two. That's going to be a real big test. Just kind of see where both these programs are. I kind of think Texas is a little overrated, frankly. But, you know, if LSU proves themselves in Texas, you know, you know, versus they get they host Florida. They got to go to Mississippi State. They host Auburn. And then they go at Bama, which that's obviously big. Look, I don't know. I like LSU over, and I kind of like them to make a little noise this year. I do too. This this feels a little bit low. I, that's a great point about uh, the Saints passing coordinator in there. And to to piggyback on that, I mentioned a little bit in the Eastern Division segment of this the sort of middle class of quarterbacks in the SEC where you have a Felipe Franks, a Jared Garantano. I would definitely throw Joe Burrow in there as someone that, you know, you've seen glimpses of what he can do, and this is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up kind of year for him. I'm more optimistic about him than the other guys in that grouping, and there's something about it. He just seems to have a moxie. He seems to affect the team around him. Um, and again, like he was very inconsistent last year, so I'm not saying he's going to be the best quarterback of the SEC. He's going to win the Heisman. But there is something about him and again, maybe it's just it's the intangible, so it's it's hard to put a finger exactly on it. But there's something about Burrow that I believe in um, that he can take the next step for LSU. They always have an incredible defense. The ni- again, nine seems a little bit low. They're out of conference schedule. You mentioned the tough game against Texas, but they have Northwestern State. They have Utah State. They open things up with Georgia Southern. And then you mentioned having to play at Alabama, but I like that they get Auburn at home and they get Texas A&M at home to, to close the season. I think those are the, the tough. I mean, those are going to be obviously the toughest games for them um, out of the West. They also get Vanderbilt from um, the East and they get Florida Vanderbilt 
That's exactly who you want to get out of the East. Florida, they're going to be a very polarizing team. Again, I'm down on Florida. I think that's a good draw um, for LSU to be able to get them. I'm going to hammer. I'm going to hammer the over, even though it's minus 160. I said stay away from Alabama at minus 170, but I feel a lot better about LSU going over nine than I do about Alabama going over 11, which sounds ridiculous. But I just I love LSU, and I just I always love LSU. It's a weird. I'll call it a flaw of mine. I almost am like biased in favor of LSU every single year. I can't explain why. I just have an irrational love for LSU. So there we go. I'm, we're both going over minus 160 over nine wins for LSU. Next up, Ole Miss Rebels. Hey, they can actually play postseason football this year. That's exciting. Their over under, though, is five. And uh, you can get some value on the over there. Even the under is minus 140. Is uh, this, I mean, they're, they're basically like Arkansas and Vanderbilt in my book, where I will probably watch a little bit of a couple of their games this year on accident. I don't have a lot of faith in this squad. Uh, I, I I would go ahead and take the under. I uh, I look at them in basically the same way I look at Arkansas. Out of conference schedule at Memphis. That's maybe a little bit more interesting than anybody that Arkansas has to play out of conference, but they have Southeastern Louisiana. They have Cal at home, and then they have New Mexico State towards the end of the season. I think you say that that's four winnable games, three games that they absolutely should win. I have no idea. I haven't looked to see what the early line on that at Memphis game is for Ole Miss. Um, but then you do the same thing with Arkansas, and you say, okay, well, who are they going to beat in conference? They do get to play Vanderbilt out of the East. That's intriguing. They have to play at Missouri, so I wouldn't necessarily count on that. And then it kind of comes down to who wins that Arkansas Ole Miss game. I, I think, did I pick, uh, I picked the under for Arkansas, and I'm, I guess that means I need to pick the over for Ole Miss because I think somebody's going to win that game. I think whoever wins that game will get the over five. The other will be under. So I picked Arkansas to go under, which means without actually thinking about the game specifically, I'm going to end up taking the over on Mississippi. And, hey, I get even odds on that. So that's uh, that's not too bad. Uh, Mississippi State is up next. Their over-under win total is eight. The over is minus 110. The under is minus 130. You know, I love a good offensive line. You know, I love I love football teams that win it in the trenches, football teams that use their indomitable force up front to push you out of the way, force their will, and and win and win on the ground. And 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 Mississippi State, aside from Georgia and Bama, has one of the strongest returning offensive lines in the SEC. You're looking at a squad that's got three redshirt juniors and two redshirt seniors starting on the line with with, with two redshirt seniors waiting to go in, in case they need to. So they've got depth on the line, this Moorhead squad. I, and with, with, a, with a juicy running back and Kylan Hill coming back, I kind of like the over for Mississippi State. I kind of like the Bulldogs to make some noise. What do you think, Pearson? I just, I'm skeptical at their ability to replace Nick Fitzgerald, a guy that did a lot for them, did a lot with his legs, did a lot with his arm. You're going to have to replace that. That's tough. Also, replacing a couple of NFL defensive linemen has me a little bit skeptical. But yep. if you go back to the schedule, Ula uh, La, Southern Miss, Kansas State, and then if I told you they were playing ACU, would you know who that is? 
Augusta Christian. <laughs> exactly, Augusta. Close. It's Abilene Christian. So that's four very winnable games there. They have Kentucky out of the East. They also have Tennessee. That one is on the road, but those are two winnable games out of the East. And then give them wins against Arkansas and Ole Miss. That's right at the eight. Steal another one from, you know, whether it's an Auburn, whether it's a Texas A&M. Uh, the one thing that you do look at and, and maybe gives you a little bit of pause when you're trying to place a bet on Mississippi State, they do have to play at Auburn. They play at Texas A&M. Um, those are going to be a, a couple of tough road games for them. But I, I, I'm with you. I'm. The schedule makes me want to go over, but the personnel question marks make me want to go under. So in this case, I think I just go with the value and, and agree with you and go over minus 110. I love a team that takes anybody from last chance you, and Chauncey Rivers yeah. is a stud. So I – I love Mississippi State. I think Chauncey Rivers is going to be a beast. There you go. Ride with last chance of you. Our last team out of the Western. Uh, the Western? I think they just call it the West. I don't know why I called it the Western. Texas A&M. Their over-under wins is 7.5. The over is minus 130. The under is minus 110. Um, that's the flip-flop of what we just had for Mississippi State. How do you feel about the Aggies? Aggies, you know, A&M feel like they get top 10 talent to their team almost every year and they have to face the west the gauntlet that is and that's their problem once again you know i i i like keller mon you know as a reasonable uh serviceable quarterback in the sec but you know as uh, their famous alumni Rip Torn once said, you know, you can dodge a wrench, but you can't dodge Alabama. And, you know, I find myself wanting to take the over in a lot of these West teams just because I really like their build. And, and especially if it, it, with a mobile qu- quarterback in Keller Mond that's proven results and a hungry Jimbo Fisher that needs to uh, get some results to all these boosters that pay all this money at A&M. I, I, I want to put over on on the Aggies. I, I'll take that minus 130. I'll, I'll give this Ag, this is like an 8 win Aggie squad. Yeah, I, I feel like that as well. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic on Kellen Mond than you are. I think that he could end up being the best quarterback in the SEC this year or one of the top couple. Fromm's obviously up there. Tungavaloa, you mentioned this when we talked about Alabama. His health is just such a question mark. I I just I don't really know. I I think that when he's healthy, he's the best quarterback in the SEC. But that's a big question mark. I, well, I also maybe have some question marks about his decision-making all the time. But in terms of talent, he's the best option. But if he's not healthy, Mon could absolutely thrust himself into that conversation. You mentioned just talent everywhere else, all over that roster, and you look at their out-of-conference schedule. They do have to play at Clemson, but the rest of their out-of-conference, they have Texas State, they have Lamar, and they have Texas San Antonio. They have South Carolina out of the East. Um, that one is at home for them. That's in November, so that's... You know, that's one that you would probably put in the they are favored to win it. And then obviously got to play uh, Georgia on the road. I say obviously they have to play Georgia on the road the week after Carolina. So that is tough. Um, they're playing at LSU as well. But they get Alabama at home. They get Mississippi State at home, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Those are wins plus the out-of-conference games. That gets you right into that conversation. And, again, I think if Mond is able to take the leap this year, which I feel like he is, I'm going to go with the over for Texas A&M as well. Over 7.5, that is minus one thirty. I guess that uh that does it. That's all the SEC teams. Again, if y'all missed the Eastern Division picks, those were on Monday. Go back and check that out. Uh, and for much more of Andrew Mason Dixon, he'll be back on this podcast every week to uh, preview some different things, update us on some futures. We'll get into some Heisman stuff at some point throughout the season as you know those kinds of races emerge. Uh, but also be sure to check out my local show, The Extra Point with Eric Camry on one oh seven five the game. 
every Friday at 1230 for some Mason Dixon lines, some pick segments. Um, I'll, well, I guess we'll have the first one of those tomorrow. This is, uh, you're listening to this on a Thursday, presumably. So we will have the first Mason Dixon lines of the year tomorrow. And I'll update you on Drew's outstanding debut season of the Mason Dixon line. Seriously, his numbers were amazing. If you just bet with him every single time, um, you would be retired right now. But we'll let you uh, decide that for yourself, um, of course, as the season gets going. But, Drew, great stuff as always, and uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on 107.5. We'll talk to you next week on this podcast. All right, we're in the huddle now. Eric Kimry co-host with me on my local show, 107.5 The Game, The Extra Point, which you can listen to every weekday at noon. He's here for our first first edition of this segment. And so what I want to do, talking to former players, people that are experts, because I'm not an expert, just to give us one thing to watch for that Carolina's going to do either offensively or defensively, talking to an offensive guru right now, so we're going to focus on offense that we can expect to see from Carolina uh, this weekend. And then one thing that their opponent, in this case North Carolina, is going to do offensively this weekend. I think in terms of South Carolina's offense, you're going to see more complexity, more diversity of formation slash motion. I think you're going to see them incorporate more motion into what they do, uh, even to the point of some unbalanced sets on offense, which is going to put North Carolina in some difficult positions in terms of the RPO game. Uh, I think you might see Jake Bentley under center a little bit more than you saw last year. Um, I don't know, but it's definitely in the package for sure, and I know they've worked some things um, you know, with that in, in mind. And, and also I think you might see uh, not just tempo, but different tempos and different ways to confuse the defense in terms of the way they use huddles and the way that they uh, approach tempo. So uh, that'd be my answer to the offensive side of the ball. Carolina's run a lot of 11 and 12, I feel like, the last year. Are we going to see more 10 personnel, you think, this year, just given the lack of depth at tight end? Yeah, you could, particularly if uh, Nick Muse is not cleared. So I, I definitely think you'll, he'll incorporate more 10 personnel uh, into what he does. But, listen, all good offensive coordinators love some tight ends for a reason. It makes defenses uh, honor another gap in the running game and also have to honor a receiver at the same time. So it's more difficult for sure. All right, on the other side of the ball, it's hard to know exactly what to expect from North Carolina. Obviously, Carolina's got Phil, uh, film from Phil Longo last year at Ole Miss and at Sam Houston State, um, but it's going to look a little bit different with new personnel at North Carolina. So what do you think is something that Carolina might have to be on the lookout for this weekend? Um, you know, with Longo, tempo's huge, and I, and I do think that he's going to throw a lot of fastballs and go quickly. He's uh, heavy in the RPO game. I'd like to see, or I, would, I think Carolina's going to rely a little bit more on man-to-man coverage in order to stop that. And, uh, you know, we've got to stop Newsom and some of those guys out in space on quick, short routes, whether it be a hitch, a slant, or a fade down the field. We've got to make sure that those balls are contested. Uh, and if we do that, I think we're going to be in good shape because I, I really anticipate our defensive line, um, you know, manhandling these guys a little bit up front. Cool. Thanks for letting us step inside the huddle for a minute, Coach. Yeah, man. No problem. All right. That's Eric Kimry, former Carolina quarterback. Be sure to listen to our local show on 107.5 The Game weekdays at 12. That's the extra point. That'll do it for another episode of the Get Cocky Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. And if you did, leave us a rating, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. Again, all great ways to help support the podcast. We'll be back on Monday with a full recap of the South Carolina-North Carolina game. So enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you Monday.